This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome again to our weekly show, Parashat HaShavua, Parashat Masei, Matot Masei. And we're dealing again with Bnot Slofchad, as we did last week in Parashat Pinchas. Last week in Parashat Pinchas, the Torah listed the daughters of Tzlofchad, Vatikrafna Bnot Tzlofchad, Ben Chefer Ben Gilad Ben Machir, and the Torah listed the names the following way: When we come back to our parasha this week, the last words in the parasha are again the lists of the daughters of Tzlofchad. They are getting married, and the question is brought in Chazal: Why is it that the list? of the names of Not Sofrad are not the same way in both places. They are changed. The way it's listed, they're different. In Parashat Pinchas, it says Machla as the first one, and then Noah Vechagla. As in Parashat Mas'ei, although, again, Machla is the first one, but then it's not anymore Noah Vechagla, rather Tirza Vecholga. And the last one listed over here is Noah where she was in Parashat Pinchas, second. So there's, it's not consistent. And that is where Chazal come to tell us the reason for that. And we found two opinions in the Gemara. One opinion is that in one place it's listed according to their age, and another place it's listed according to their wisdom. In Parashat Mas'ei, when we're dealing with Bnot Shlofchad getting married, everything over here is listed according to their age, which means... The first one listed, which is Machla, she was the oldest, and therefore she got married first. That's why it's over here she's first. Secondly, Tirza, because she was second in line at age and to get married, and so on. When we're dealing with Parashat Pinchas, over there it's listed according to their wisdom, because over there they're going to speak to Moshe Rabenu about the, the, the question that they had for him, the request they had for him that they should give them a piece of land in Eretz Israel. And therefore, over there, it's going according to the wisdom. Who was the smartest? Machla. Who was second? Noah. Third? Chogla. So therefore, it's listed according to their wisdom. And that is what Rashi brings down. The last Rashi in Bamidbar, Sefer Bamidbar, he says, Kan mena'an lefi gdulatan zumizu bashanim unsau kederech they were married according to their ages. Any other place, it's listed according to their wisdom. Umagid Rashi adds, that's a second opinion in Chazal, Rashi puts it and wraps it together, Rashi says, He comes to tell us that all of them were equal. Now when you learn Chazal, Chazal in the Gemara fits very good, because one opinion holds that there's a reason why the Torah lists accordingly to their age, or according to their wisdom. One place according to their age, another place according to their wisdom. Then, second opinion of Chazal, that really doesn't make a difference, wisdom or age, they were all equal. That's what the Torah comes to give us the message. And therefore, it lists them in one place this way, another place another way, to come and tell us that don't think that there's an order to those notes of Chad, there's no order, all of them are equal. If you look at them, all of them are equal. But Rashi puts it all together over here and says that 
One was smarter than the other, and he comes to teach us that they're equal. And actually, Rashi repeats that idea in Parashat Pinchas, where he tells us that the reason the Torah changed the order, that all of them are equal. And obviously, anybody that reads that Rashi is coming to a confusion. What does that mean? You just told me in the same breath that there are one is smarter than the other, and right away after that, all of them are equal. Very, very strange. Again, the Gemara that speaks about this in Babat Kufchaf, over there, that's two opinions. Parashi wraps it together. Now, the Mephoshim, each one has his own way of understanding Rashi. Some want to say that Rashi didn't mean to wrap it together. Rashi put the two opinions to say that's one opinion, and here's a second opinion. But clearly, Rashi didn't do that. Rashi says, Mekol HaMikram Na'an Lefi Chochmatan, Umagid comes to continue what Rashi started to say before, that he comes to tell us that they all are equal. Some want to explain what's the meaning over here. For instance, take a look at the Chatam Sofer. Chatam Sofer, on this parasha, in Torah Moshe, he brings down this question that I'm asking, and he says that really you should know that they were equal. And although one list of ladies were smarter than the other, and in the other place we found one is older than the other, but each one had a quality that the other one didn't have, and they somehow came to balance, which means like this. This is the way he explains. There is a quality called being older, and there is a quality being called wiser, and the one that had the quality of being wiser didn't have the quality of being older, and the one that was older with that quality didn't have the quality of being smarter. So therefore they balanced one with the other. Which means, let's say, the oldest one would not be as smart as the youngest one. So therefore, the youngest, she was the smartest. So at all she had a chisaron, she was the youngest. But she was the smartest. So it equaled up with those that were older than her, but less smart. Very interesting answer. But the problem that I had when I read this obvious question on the Khatam Sofer is that in both lists, we see that Machla is first which means she was older and she was smartest. So I couldn't figure out what the Khatam Sofer really means when he clearly says, and the, and the Rashi brings that, that all of them were equal, one with the other, and Machla is one of them, and Machla is the first in both lists. She had both qualities. She was way ahead of everybody else, according to this perush of Khatam Sofer. How is it that she equals up with anybody else? That is something that needs to be defined. Another question that I try to understand when the Torah comes to list those names of those women, one after the other, the Torah really says the following, according to the opinion that Rashi brings down, that one was smarter than the other, and that was the reason for this list in such a way. So it says of B'notav. those are the names of his daughters. Machla, Noah, Chogla, Milka, Vetirza, which means, Machla was the smartest. You want to know who's the smartest? Machla. You want to know who's second in line? Noah. She wasn't as smart as Machla. Third already, much less smart than those be- before her. Chogla. Milka is already weak. And Tirza is very weak. Probably something much less of an IQ. So therefore, 
I didn't understand. Is that the way the Torah usually does things? She lists the names of those uh, that have those big problems. And we found many places that Chazal tell us that the Torah doesn't do such a thing. And she, the Torah covers for those that sinned, unless sometimes the Torah won't expose them. Normally it covers those that sins, and she doesn't expose them. And the Gemara really says that openly, that whenever the Torah covers, you shouldn't uh, come and say those names. And the reason the Torah covers for them, is because they sinned, it would be embarrassing to say their names. Over here, the Torah comes and lists those that are less smart from all of the daughters, that's the Quran insult for them. Why is the Torah writing such a thing down? Another thing that is strange, and that is, again, in Parashat Pinchas, when the daughters of Tzlofchad come to ask Moshe Rabbeinu for a piece of land, they come and they stand in front of Moshe and in front of Elazar Cohen, and they claim their things that they want to say. Avinu met Bamidbar, our father died in the desert. He wasn't part of the fight with Adad Korach. Give us a piece of land so our father doesn't lose his name in the land of Israel. Since he doesn't have a boy. And since he doesn't have a boy, we, should, we at least should get his land, a piece of land, in order to be able to continue his Name. And Rashi says over here, Which means, they come in with the following Te'ana. They're saying, look, our father didn't have a child, didn't have a boy. So therefore, we should be instead of that. We should get the piece of land that he should have got. So Rashi says, that was such a genius idea. This thing that they're saying over here, he didn't have a boy. But if he had a boy, we wouldn't say anything. But now that he doesn't have a boy, so therefore we are claiming it. That's a genius idea, he says Rashi. Ki en lo ben, aim yesh lo ben, im lo ben, says Rashi. Lo ayutovot klum. They wouldn't request anything because the boy would get it. Magid shechakmaniot ayu. Come to teach us that they were very wise, they were very smart, genius thing. I didn't, I didn't get it. What's so smart over here? I don't understand. What are, they, what are they saying that's really got Rashi's attention over here in such a way? All they're saying over here is very, something very simple. Look, our father is supposed to get a land. Normally he goes to the boys. He doesn't have boys. So she, we should get it instead. That's something so smart that Rashi needs to praise them. You geniuses. What they said over here. What they said over here. What did they say over here so smart? I didn't get it. So we need to explain in the following way. We need to explain that we found in various places in the Torah and in Chazal that the Torah praises wisdom. Which means you'll see that the Chazonish in Emunah Bitachon, when he lists the things that are the most important, he says that people have a mistake, a common mistake. And he says the following, When a person collects a lot of good traits and good ma'asim, he does a lot of mitzvot, which means, when you see such a person, you would call him Hasid, Tzadik, Reshamayim, all kind of great names that they attach to the people that deserve such a name. 
Tzadik, for somebody who's doing Tzitkut, Chassid, somebody who's doing Lifnim Shuat Adin. Beautiful thing. Sheadam ha-metuar ba-achad ma-shemot al-elu, yaid alav shmo, al-atmadato b-masim tovim, t-midut amitit. Beautiful, beautiful. That such a person is constantly involved in Avodat Hashem, in Masim Tovim, in Mitzvot, in Chesed, in all kind of great things. But, says the Chazunish, if we try to find what's the greatest Ma'ala, what's the highest name, what's the name you would give that's considered the highest in Judaism. If we try to investigate this in the Torah and try to see who is the big, who deserves of the biggest ma'ala, the title should be the highest to who. If we found, says the Chazunish, what is the greatest level, the greatest title in Judaism, we'll know what Hashem loves the most and what should a person try to seek most. So he says the following. The Gemara says in Bavakama Mem Aleph Amud Bet, Shimona Amsumi, Every time there would be et in a pasuk, so he would be Doresh. He would say that et come to compare what the things, what the mitzvah is, and to add to that somebody else. So he found that that must be wrong when he came to the pasuk at Hashem Elokechatira. Why? Because it says in the pasuk you should fear Hashem. Well, it says over here et, which means not only Hashem but somebody else as well. Equally to Hashem, says Shimon Amsuni, that's got to be a mistake. Everything that was Doresh till now had to be erased and mistaken. Why? Because how could you fear anybody like you fear Hashem? Hashem is obviously should be feared more than anybody else, and therefore you can't compare anybody to Hashem. That is what he felt until Rabbi Akiva came along. Which means there is somebody you have to fear as much as you fear Hashem Barach, and that is a Talmid Chacham. There's a mitzvah to fear Hashem, comes the Torah over here and says, it's not only at Hashem it's not only Hashem, but you have to fear somebody else as well, and that is the Talmid Chacham. Beautiful lesson. Comes the Chasunish and says, Lamadnu, we come from this to a conclusion. If you're trying to look for the highest level of all, what's considered the most important in Judaism, that's a Talmid Chacham. Not a Tzadik, not a Chasid, and nobody, not a Kadosh, nobody that will get those titles. Rather, a Talmid Chacham, that's the highest level of all. Highest title of all. Only that person, Rabbi Akiva, allowed to fear as much as you fear Hashem Barach. And that's how you learn what's the highest level of all. And we found this in many places in the Gemara, that this is how Chazal treated Talmidei Chachamim higher than anybody else. Like, for instance, when... Ravuna, brother of Nachman, told Rav Papa, he told him a certain halacha that he asked him. He asked him a halacha, what's the law of Metzorah? Kohen Gadol that became a Metzorah, 
can he marry a almana? That is the question that he asked him. And he gave him the answer. He told him what's the halacha. Rav Papa, when he heard this halacha, he was so excited that he kissed him on the head and he gave him his daughter to marry. Which means, you see from here, says the Chazonish, that what took him out from his calmness, he became so excited, only the fact that Ravuna Bred Rav Nachman was able to answer a halacha question. Not that he was a tzaddik, not that he was a chassid, not that he was mechaven in brachot, very good, not that he was praying very, uh, very long with a lot of kavanot. That didn't move him. What moved him? The fact that he knew the halacha, and with that he kissed him on the head and gave him his daughter to marry. That is considered the top. That's the highest. And we found this in many other places. Like for instance, when Rabbi Akiva was, appeared to Moshe Rabenu, Hashem showed Moshe Rabenu Rabbi Akiva. He told him that, look at that. You have somebody like Rabbi Akiva that's going to be Doresh Tiletilim Shel Alachot. You want to give the Torah to me? Give it to Rabbi Akiva. You see that Moshe Rabenu understood that the highest of all is not to be Nevi Hashem like Moshe Rabenu. Is not to be Aisha Anav Mikol Adam like Moshe Rabenu. And not with all the malot that Moshe Rabenu had. Rather, you're going to have a person like Rabbi Akiva that's going to know halachot in such a way that goes, that precedes anything else, that goes ahead of everything else, and you should give the Torah to him. This is what Moshe Rabenu told the Kadosh Buhu. And therefore, since we have many Gemarot like that, we come to a conclusion, if anybody wants to see this in the, in the third parak of Emunah Vitachon in the Chazonish, he says that we come to a conclusion with all that, that the biggest ma'ala that a person could have is his wisdom, and the person that gets the highest title is the Talmud Chacham. That's the highest title of all in our Torah. And that is, that is true only in one place, and that is when we come to deal with men. But when we come to deal with women, we don't find such a thing. We don't find that the Torah in any place meshabeach and praises a woman for her wisdom. We don't find that the Torah says that there is such a thing that a woman should be a Talmidah Chachama. There's no command in the Torah that the women should learn Torah or learn anything else. They should know what their halachot. But to become a Talmidah Chachama, to become a rabbi and so on, there's no such thing in the Torah. And the question we want to know is why? Why is that? Although we found a few places in the Torah and in Divrei Chazal that the Meshabeach, the ladies, that is true. The Meshabeach, the ladies for the wisdom. Like for instance, when we talk about On Ben Pelet, the Gemara is Doresh on that, that Chochmat Nashim Banta Beita. The wisdom of a woman build her house. Which means you see that the Torah praises women for their wisdom. Yes, that is true, but that is a different kind of wisdom. We're talking about right now about intellect wisdom. A woman that became a doctorate in something, a woman that became a professor in something, a woman that went to school and high school and college and, 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 and all kind of courses in order to be ed- more educated. That we don't find any place in the Torah that the Torah praises this in any way. Rather, Chuchmat Nashim Bata Beita means a woman that knows how to build her house. 
how to take care of the house, how to keep the peace in the house, how to make sure that the children grow correctly, how to make sure that the husband is always happy, how to take care of the house. That's a certain wisdom that definitely deserves of a praise. But we don't find it in other places. When we sang in Eshet Chayil, the pasuk about the woman's wisdom, Pia Patcha Bechokma, she opened her mouth with wisdom. What kind of wisdom we're talking about over there? That she gives now a, a speech to, uh, she became a professor to a bunch of people that's going to hear her words of wisdom? That's not what the Torah means. It means the Torah Chesed Aleshona. It means the following. Pia Patcha Bechokma, the Torah Chesed Aleshona. It's a kind of wisdom to speak in a way that's going to be leading and bringing chesed. Torah chesed That is the wisdom that the Torah is asking a woman to have, but not a wisdom of intellect. So mimele, that comes out over here beautifully, that what it Rashi tells us, that there's a list of b'not slofchad, v'tiena machla, v'tirza, v'chogla milka, that's in one place. And another place, as we said before, that the names were listed on a different order. Rashi says the reason for that order is because one was smarter than the other. But you should know, all of them are equal. Don't think that since one was smarter than the other, she's considered in any way more praiseworthy, better. By men, it does work like that. By a man, if you're smarter, you consider ahead of the game. You in, in shul, you sit first in line. When found in Rav Kahana that he came to, uh, to Eretz Israel from Babel, Ari Alami Babel, they put him first in line. They heard about him great things. But as he kept quiet and he didn't say anything to the person that gave the shul, slowly, slowly, they pulled him from the first seat to the second, second to the third, third to the fourth, back and back and back and back. Why is that? If you're not as smart as we thought, you go to the back row. If you are, you go to the front row. We have many halachot how to treat the Talmidei Chachamim. It says in the Mishnayot how to treat Talmidei Chachamim. Neshichatan, Neshichat Akrav, Lichishatan, Lichishat Saraf, halachot of how to treat you have to stand for him, and you have to speak to him in, in respect, and you have to love him. And these are all halachot that you can all see in the Shulchan Aruch, in Ilchot Kibbut But we only find this by a man, by a woman, we don't find such a thing. There is such a, such a thing called Eshet Chacham, which means you respect her because of her husband. But if she, for herself, had that wisdom... We don't find that the Torah praises such a woman in any way. And therefore Rashi says, They're all equal whether she was smarter than the other. So therefore, what is this wisdom that Rashi tells us that they come in front of Moshe Rabbeinu and they said, And Rashi said, that is self-understood over here, which means what kind of wisdom are we praising over here in those psukim? They came and they said, Why should our father's name should be eliminated? He doesn't, he's not going to continue. His name is not going to continue because we are only daughters. He doesn't have sons. So therefore, what is the wisdom they coming to say? There, what Moshe Rabbeinu was so impressed 
was the fact that they came with a wisdom of how to take care of their house. That's what it is. We want to make sure that our father's name continues. And Loben, he doesn't have boys. They're coming not with kind of Rabbi Kiva Iger over here, with uh, some genius idea of, uh, of Einstein. That's not what the Torah praises. That what, not what Mosh, that Rashi got excited over when he heard the words of Notzrofad. Rather, the fact that they are speaking like a woman should speak, which is, take care of our house, make sure that the, 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 everything is conducting in the best possible way. And this is how it's brought down over here. Beautiful idea that we found over here with that. And therefore we come to that conclusion from all the places that we said and much, much more that that is the most important thing than when we deal with women. And therefore we come to ask the question, maybe the Torah really over here discriminates against ladies, against women. Does the Torah really looks at women in a respectful way? We know that in previous generations, many religions discriminated very, very much against women until the feminine movement started picking up. But how does the Torah look at things? So anybody that would look in places in Chazal, in the Torah, would come across to the very first question that we, uh, that we have in the Birkot HaShachar, and that is that by a man you say, Shelo Asani Isha, and by a woman you say, Shasani Kirtsono. When a man says, Shelo Asani Isha, you see from that, that a man is obviously looked at as somebody who's superior to women. Is that so? Is that true? So we said a pshat is like this. Pay close attention. This is a metla amita. Which means, Chazal formed the brachot in a very precise way for a reason. And when the when Chazal said the brachot, the last three brachot, Shelo Asani Goy, Shelo Asani Aved, Shelo Asani Isha, the Nosek Kelim of the Shulchan Aruch, take a look at the Shach, Taz, Bach, they asked the question, why is it that we sang over here, Shelo Asani Goy? Wouldn't it be better that you would say, Shasani Yehudi, he made me a Jew? Why, why say it in a negative form, Shelo Asani Goy? Say, Shasani Yehudi. That's a question they ask. Very, very good question. To the point. And the answer, the answer is the following. That we found that Bet Ilan and Bet Shammai in Eruvin were arguing for two and a half years. Is it better that a person should have came to the world? Or it's better that a person shouldn't have been created altogether? They were arguing. What's better? And they came to a conclusion that it's better that a person shouldn't have been created altogether. It's much better if a person would not be created altogether. And therefore, since that is true, you can't say anymore, we're praising Hashem that He created me, because it's much better for me, say Chazal, that I wouldn't be created. Much better. And therefore, the only thing that's left to say that now that I'm created, at least Shalos Anigoy. That is the answer the Bach give. And you take a look at the Nosek Kalim, and you'll see that's how they bring down. So, when we come to this question, by the way, you can take a look in Siman Mem Zain in Shuchan Aruch for this. So when we come to this, we have to now go and try to see how this bracha 
is formed by a woman. What does a woman say? A woman says, She'asani kirtzono. Very interesting. She says it in a positive way. She'asani kirtzono. Not she'loasani. Rather, she'loasani. Rather, she'asani. To indicate and show you that the woman creation is very different. Why? Because over there, it's a positive creation. Hashem looks at it as something that for her, it was worthwhile bring, bro, to bro, being brought down to the world. That's something that's quality to the world, and it's good for her as well. And therefore, the bracha is done in a positive manner. And that is really explained in the famous uh, Gemara that we found in Masechet Brachot. And the Gemara says over there that Gdola Haftacha Sheftichan Akadosh Buchu Lenashim Yoter Mina Anashim. Akadosh Buchu gave women Haftacha, a promise that's greater than the men. Because it says in Yeshaya Lamed Bet, Nashim Shananot Kumna. Ladies that's trustworthy and trust Hashem, Kumna, raise up. Shmana Kuli, listen to my voice. So therefore you see that by ladies, says the Gemara over here, they were praised for being ahead of men. And therefore, Rav, Rav asked Rav Chia on that Gemara in Bochod Yudzayin, Nashim Bemai Zachyan. What do ladies, how do ladies gain Chaye Olam Abba? And the answer is, Be'akruye Banayu Leveknishta, which means, how do ladies are zoche in Olam Abba? By the fact that they send their kids to learn Torah in Shul, and they wait for them and wait for their husband when they come back from Bet Midrash, from the Shul, from learning. With that, they zoche lechaye Olam Abba. Very strange, what does that mean? Nashim bemazachyan. Of course they have their own mitzvot. Of course they have their own good deeds. What does it mean, Nashim b'mai zachyan? But, the way we explained before is that Nashim women have a totally different role than men. Nashim are considered, in a way, way higher than men, as it's brought down in few places in the Mefarshim. And therefore the explanation over here is that you need the men to go ahead and learn, and you need somebody to make sure that that happens. Many times, the person that makes sure that that happens is actually much higher than the person that's on the field. You have somebody that's fighting a war. He's going to fight the war. So when he's going to fight the war, he's the, he's the soldier. He's doing the dirty job outside. But then you have the captain, you have the person in charge, the, the chief in charge, the chief in command. Those are people that are not fighting in the world, but they're overlooking. Over here, it's the same thing. They're making sure that it, may, that it happens. They wait for them. They send them. They make sure that everything around the house is ticking on the best possible way. That is something that's considered higher than the learning himself. How do I know that? Because the Gemara starts off in the same breath and says, Which means ladies will promise more than men. So if they promise more than men and men get to do the mitzvot more than the women, get to learn Torah more than the women. So how is it that ladies get more of a reward than the men? The answer must be, as I'm saying right now, 
that the fact that they take care of their home is not something minor. That's considered something very, very high. How do we know that? Another, another place to find such an idea is in the Abarbanel. The Abarbanel asks, why is it that we found that women are patur from mitzvot aseh shazman grama? Let's just explain a little bit. What does it mean, mitzvot aseh shazman grama? It means like this. You have two categories of mitzvot. You have mitzvot that are bound to time, and you have mitzvot that are not bound to time, which means a person that does mitzvah that happens constantly, for instance, you have a mezuzah on your door, it's not bound to time. That's any time that you, you, you have a house, you have to put it day and night, 365 days a year. How about other mitzvot? For instance, you have mitzvot that are bound to time, as we're saying right now. For example, you have a mitzvah called the sukkah. That's only on Sukkot. That's considered Zman Grama, bound to time. Ladies are patur from that mitzvah. It's a good thing if they sit in the Sukkah, but they're not obligated. How about checking the Lulav? Same idea, it's bound to time. It comes only on Sukkot. How about other things like hearing the Shofar? Women are not obligated to hear the Shofar. It's mitzvah, Tasesha, Zman Grama. It comes on a certain time. Therefore, the patur from such a thing. But things that don't come from time to time. Such things, women would be obligated just like men. And therefore, if a woman sees a poor person that needs tzedakah, she will give him the tzedakah. If a person needs to come to their house for achnasat ochim, she's obligated in achnasat ochim, because that's not bound to time. So when it comes to the question of those mitzvot that do considered mitzvot asesha's man gramad, that ladies are patur, Come the Rishonim and ask, why is it that we found that ladies are patur? And Abarbanel is the first one that comes to give an answer, and he says the following. He says that she is really, should, should have been chayav in Mitzvot Asesha's Mangama. But the fact that she needs to take care of her house overrides those mitzvot. Which means right now, if you tell her that she's going to have to be constantly involved in making mitzvot, so a woman would not have the time to take care of the house. Now every house, uh, housewife knows how much time consuming it is to take care of the house. You have to take care of so, so many things in order for everything to be growing in a correct way. And therefore, if you ask her that she has to do every mitzvah like men, she wouldn't be available to do all that. So you see that the way the Torah looks at it is that when you come to deal with your house, it overrides those mitzvot. If mitzvot were greater, so the Torah would say, you know what, leave the house, don't worry about the house. Mitzvot are much more important, go deal with the mitzvot, don't worry about the house. What about the house? The house is not that important, that will take care of itself. But you see that the Torah says, no, put the mitzvot on the side, go take care of the house. That shows that the house is way ahead of those mitzvot, and the women are in charge of something that is much greater than those mitzvot. There's no other way to learn this. Comes out from what we're saying right now, that people that think that the Torah looks at women as secondary, there's a certain, uh, ju- the, the Torah does misjustice for women, they, she, she, it's, it's not correct the way the Torah treats women. That's just the opposite. Because we see over here that women are getting more 
of those obligations than women. And when we come to the question of obligations, not necessarily that obligations are considered like some kind of good thing. It's not a right to have an obligation. This is how Paul Johnson, the historian, said. He says the following. He said that why is it that we don't find in history that women always wanted to become priests? Then we never found that they wanted to become priests. Now, in the Western society, all of the sudden they want to become priests. They want to do all kinds of things together like men. Why is that? He said because there's a mistake that Western society created. And that is they took obligations and they made them into rights. A woman thinks that being a priest is a certain kind of right. And therefore, she wants to become a right. Today, there's a movement in Israel, in the Shota Kotel, that want to put on tefillin in the Kotel, Talit. They want to read the Torah. Why is that? Because the society, our society today looks at everything as rights. Which means, why is it that I don't have the right that I could pray just like men? It's wrong. It's against women. It's not just. And therefore, they want to do those things. But the truth of the matter is that you don't look at things like that. Wearing tefillin and putting talit is not a right. It's an obligation. The Torah obligates you. Yes, you get reward for that. But the Torah puts an obligation on your head. And therefore, we don't find, for instance, that a woman or anybody else want to become a Kohen. Why don't I want to become a Kohen? I'll say, you know what? It's not right. Why should the Kohen go and say, do Nesiyat Kapayim every day in Shul? Why is it that the Kohen should get the first Aliyah? I want to have the same rights. I want to be a Kohen as well. Why people don't think along those lines? Because people understand being the Kohen is an obligation for the fact you obligated to do so much that the Torah rewards you in honor as well. But the obligation is not a right. And therefore you can't mix the two things together. When we come to a woman versus a man, there's not that a woman has to do those and she has the rights to be like a man. No, the, the Torah looks at it that a woman has different kind of obligations than a man. And it's a totally different world. The Torah says, the Gemara says, that Nashim are considered different, or Amacher, which means they're considered like completely different people than the men. They have their own thing. Men have one role in the world, women have a different world in the, in, role in the world, and they don't mix together. So therefore, when one looks at the men and says, wow, why do men get those to do those things? That's not over there a right. You want to do that thing? You can do it also, but that's not a right. That's considered an obligation that a man has. And the woman, the Torah said, you know what? For you, it's not necessary. You don't need that. And the reason you don't need that is because I'm giving you a much higher obligation that overrides that and you're not going to have the time. And that is taking care of your house. The Chochmat Nashim Banta Beita. By the way, that is the reason men say, What's the purpose of saying such a thing? Rashi says that because... Men have more mitzvot. So we praise Hashem for giving us more mitzvot. But it's not that men are better than women. That the Rashi doesn't say. Rashi that comes to explain what the Gemara means, what the Pasuk, what the Bracha means. The Bracha means not that men are better than women. Rather, men have more mitzvot than women. On that we praise Hashem. But these are two totally different uh, kinds of people. Men is one. One and another one is women. Each one have their own mitzvot, own obligation, and you can't mix up the two. This is the explanation of the Barbanel. Of Shimshon Hirsch says differently. He says like this, that a man, 
was given mitzvot asesha zman grama for purpose, because a man is constantly uh, involved in the world. He constantly goes out to the world and is interrupted by many, many different things that could cause him to sin. Because when he goes out to the world, he's always very, very energetic, and a man needs to produce and needs to do a lot of things on the outside. And when you deal with the outside, a man doesn't have the capability to fight against the world unless you restrain him and you put all kind of borders in order to make sure that he stays the way he is. And that's where the Torah comes and says, you know what? You'll do all kind of mitzvot shazman gama. You wake up in the morning and you don't just go ahead to work. You first go to shul. You go to shul. You put talit, tfilin. You pray. You say kriyat shema. You, you do all these things. You, you go to a shul in the morning. When you come to the right mindset, then you go to the city to work. So then you have much more chance of being able to fight against the Etzarah that's going to attack you. Where a woman doesn't need all that. A woman doesn't have that same Yetzirah that a man has that doesn't allow him to control himself unless you put all kind of different things. And therefore, by her, she's much more protected. So there, she, did, she didn't need those mitzvot essentials, man, gamma. But by a man, since he needs all those things in order not to fall in all kind of averot, therefore the Torah puts it on him. But you see again that the reason for that is not, the reason the, the, a woman is exempt from that is not a chisaron, rather is a ma'ala. And this is how the beautiful words I saw that were written by, uh, by, by a woman that wrote, a woman in the name of Hannah Weisberg, she wrote beautifully to somebody that asked her those questions, and he says, she said, she responded the following. She said, in Western society, I see women prancing in front of men as if they were pieces of flesh to grab onto. I see women leading unhappy lives in a career climb that doesn't satisfy the natural instincts of being a woman. I see women stuck in miserable marriages with men who take them for granted and who often leave them for younger. And with that, they lose them. I see one out of two marriages ending in a divorce, if not more. And who knows how many more are unhappy ones. I see women who seem to have attained freedom but come home with a long day at the office to still do 90% of the housework. I see women in the free society who hit the glass ceiling far too often because they are women. And I see that those who succeed often have to drop every of their femininity in their climb up. I see women who are free to wear whatever clothes that they are choose yet parade around wearing as little as they can to get whatever recognition from the opposite gender. And she keeps on going and going to teach us this is what the Western society, a today's society, had to offer. Really, in reality, a woman doesn't gain anything from the today's society perspective when it's in relation to Torah, which means in the way that they used to live, other previous generations, yes, in our generation, things got better for women. But when it comes to 
it, in relation to the Torah perspective of how to treat a woman, you see that the Torah constantly teaches men to be respectful to his wife on the utmost highest level. The Torah says that some of the Chachamim didn't even call their wives wives, they called them Beiti, my house, which means this is the most honorable uh, title that a woman can get. And the Torah sees that a woman should get all different kind of respects, as Chazal tell us, and the Rambam brings down that one should be which means you have to respect her on the highest level like you respect yourself. You have to love her on the highest level, higher than you love yourself, which means the Torah obligates you to do and behave in such a way. So come to that conclusion and see that <clears throat> when we come to the role of woman in Judaism, we need to know that the Torah doesn't in any way discriminate against women, but rather she tells her exactly what's right for her and what's wrong. A woman doesn't feel that satisfaction when she goes to work all day taking care of other people's needs. You go to work in some office and you take care of other clients and work out whatever they need over there, whether it's uh, um, working as a secretary or working uh, outside as other kind of jobs that would take care of all kind of customers. That is not what brings a woman satisfaction. Rather, taking care of her own house, taking care of her own family. That's the inner satisfaction that a woman gets. And when she goes to seek for that in the outside, she comes home frustrated. And not only that, now she feels she has a second job at home, which makes her exhausted as well. Not only that, when the husband comes home, he would appreciate her much more for the job she's doing at home rather than the job that she's doing outside. So she's unfulfilled with that as well. So with all that, when you look at, take a look at everything together, one needs to really put this idea of how the Torah looks at different genders and give them different uh, missions in the world at the correct eyeglasses and the correct sight, and then you'll see how things fit beautifully in the Torah idea and the Torah aspect. Thank you very much for joining us today for the Shi'ur of Lecha Dodi in Parashat Matot Maseh. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.